Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to James chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 19 and 20, and also Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27. We're continuing our series tonight, The Seven Deadly Sins, and tonight's message is titled, The Danger of Anger, The Danger of Anger. You know, most of us have probably heard about escape rooms. Have you ever heard about an escape room? Maybe some of us have gone to an escape room, but have you ever heard of a rage room? These are places where you pay to go and smash stuff to get your anger out. Amen? I heard on the news about rage rooms in New York City, but I googled local rage rooms and was surprised to find several in our area. I know New York City, they got a lot of strange stuff, but here, you know, in South Florida, they had rage rooms. They have one right here in Davie called Smash Hit House. They have one called Wreck It Fort Lauderdale uh, that's uh, up in Fort Lauderdale. And so right here in our backyard, we have rage rooms. A USA Today article says rage rooms have opened in cities all around the world offering a safe place for people to shatter away their anger. You can hurl a plate across a room, take a sledgehammer to an old computer, or kiss a framed photo of your ex goodbye with a golf club. In some places, you can pay as little as $15 if you bring your own stuff to smash. Why would you pay them $15 to smash your own stuff? Go out in your backyard and smash it. But anyway, you can pay $15 if you bring your own stuff. In Los Angeles, you can pay $300 for the overkill package, which includes 100 items that you can smash to your heart's content. In New York City, Rage Rooms offer couple therapy packages for $95. So, hey, who knew? Maybe that's what couples need, <laughs> to go and smash some stuff together, amen, as long as they don't smash each other. But the article said, the rising popularity of rage rooms is attributed to the fact that people are stressed, angry, and frustrated, and need to let off steam, and this provides them an opportunity to do so. Well, you know, in theory, it sounds like a good idea for some people, I suppose. But I did read another article in which a psychologist said that it is actually counterproductive because rage rooms can actually cause people to become angrier than before. He, this, psychiatrist, this psychologist said that uh, it can actually intensify your anger. So, you know, you'll be paying to get more rage, I suppose. <laughs> But there's no question from the increasing popularity of rage rooms that anger is a very prevalent problem in our society. That's why it's such big business now that these rage rooms are opening everywhere. And often, of course, we have tragically seen the results of these ri this rising anger in road rage, workplace shootings, school shootings, and domestic violence deaths. That's, of course, the extreme outworking of anger. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus identified anger as the emotional root of murder. He said, you have heard it said, thou shalt not kill or thou shalt not murder. But I say unto you, and as much as you get angry with your brother 
and call him Rakafu. So he identified anger as the heart attitude behind murder. But even when anger doesn't go to the extreme of violence or murder, it causes great damage to relationships, to our own health and well-being. It can also, it can destroy our health. Did you know that angry outbursts can put you at greater risk for heart problems and stroke? So be careful the next time you get angry, you may end up in the hospital. It also weakens our immune system, making us vulnerable to cancer, viruses, and other sicknesses, as well as being linked to increased anxiety, depression, alcoholism, and drug abuse. But most importantly, sinful anger can cut us off from God. That's why it should be no surprise that anger is listed among one of the se- as one of the seven deadly sins. Now, as I said before, the seven deadly sins are a list of sins identified by church leaders many centuries ago as particularly perilous for the people of God. And this list includes pride and envy, anger, laziness, greed, gluttony, and lust. And these sins may seem insignificant when compared to other sins that we deem more serious or more heinous. And although all sins are deadly, the seven deadly sins are particularly dangerous because of the subtlety with which they infiltrate our lives and because they are also the fountain out of which other sins flow. So out of anger, can flow murder. So they are a fountainhead out of which other sins flow. And even though scripture does not contain a specific list of the seven deadly sins, the scripture is replete with warnings against these seven sins. Today we're going to look at two of those warnings against anger. Turn with me, if you will, to James 1, verses 19 through 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, or pay attention. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. The emphasis was mine. Now I added that in. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger will not accomplish God's will, as some versions say. So everybody experiences anger, but notice that this warning against anger is addressed to Christians. James calls them brothers and sisters, which refers to believers. And he warns us that we cannot be angry and live the righteous life that God is calling us to live. And then we turn to Ephesians 4. Verses 26 and 27, it says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold or territory. So from this verse, we learn not all anger is sinful. That it is possible to be angry and not sin. Which we're going to talk about as we move through this message. But we are warned in this verse that anger can open the door in our life to the devil and give him territory. Give him territory in our life. Give him a foothold in our life. An area of control from which he can then expand his control to other areas which makes anger a very dangerous sin. God understands our struggle in the area of anger, and that's why he teaches us in his word how to be angry in a godly way and how to overcome ungodly anger. 
the first thing I want us to see is that anger is a God-given emotion. We were created in the image of God, and guess what? God gets angry. Amen? It's not a side of God that we like to talk about. We much rather focus on the fact that God is loving, and he's merciful, and he's good, and he's kind, and he's gracious. But God also gets angry. In fact, the Old Testament speaks of of the anger or wrath of God 375 times. In fact, 82% of the occurrences of the word anger or wrath are used in regard to God in the Bible. The Bible describes Jesus as gentle and lowly of heart. But guess what? Jesus got angry as well. In Mark 3, there's an occasion where Jesus heals a man with a paralyzed hand in the synagogue. And instead of having compassion on the man and rejoicing that the man was healed, the religious leaders are upset that Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath. And you know what the Bible says? It says that Jesus looked at them with anger. He was angry at the Pharisees because of their religious hypocrisy, their religious blindness. And two times in the ministry of Jesus, once at the beginning and once at the end, Jesus went into the temple and he saw them selling sacrifices and having, uh, you know, money exchangers there. And he became angry and he turned over the tables of the money changers and the sacrifice sellers and he took a whip and he drove them out uh, uh, of the temple of God. So one of the last things Jesus does before he goes to the cross is that he cleans up the house of the Lord, whip in hand, driving out the sacrifice sellers and the money exchangers. An act of anger, but an act of righteous anger, God-honoring anger. So we meet Jesus' anger in the temple before we meet his love on the cross. God gets angry because he loves Sin is harmful and destructive to us and others. It cuts us off from God, and it can condemn our soul to an eternity of hell. So God hates sin because God loves us, and he knows the damage that sin caused. But even though God gets angry, God is not a volatile Anger, angry being that loses his temper and explodes in rage like a volcano erupting. His anger is not selfish. His anger is not uncontrolled. His anger is not unprovoked. His anger is righteous. His anger is productive. And he is extremely patient before acting in anger. God's anger is righteous. God's anger is righteous. Now, we have the capacity to get angry, and it can be a force for good. For instance, we see God is passionate, and he created us to be passionate, to be caring, to be emotional. And passion is feeling strongly and caring deeply about something. Passion is a good thing because without passion, we are left with apathy, complacency, and indifference, and so we just sit back and let whatever be to to come to pass. But 
when Jesus threw out the money changers and the sacrifice sellers in the temple, the Bible says the reason was because the zeal of the Lord's house or the passion for God's house has eaten me up. So the reason God, that Jesus got angry was because he had a passion for the house of the Lord to be a house of prayer and not a business. And I wonder what he would think if he walked into some churches today that all they're doing is they're constantly merchandising. They're selling this book and they're selling this uh, video and they're selling this t-shirt and they're selling this cap and you know, they're, they're constantly merchandising, you know? But the reason he did it was because of his passion for the house of the Lord, that the house of the Lord would be what God intended it to be. And his anger moved him to correct what was wrong in the house of the Lord. So his deep love for the house of the Lord is what fueled his anger. The depth to which we love and care about someone or something is the depth to which we can get angry. If you don't love something, if you're not passionate about something, you don't get angry. It is because you care. Of course, sometimes our love is very self-centered and misdirected, and that's why we get angry. But that's another uh, sermon for another day. But if we passionately love God, for instance, we should get angry when he is dishonored. Sin and injustice make God angry, and if we love God, it should make us angry as well. And the passion of anger can be a force for good when it causes us to act to right the wrong, when it causes us to fight against evil, when it causes us to stand against sin, then it can be a force for evil. David Siemens says, anger is a divinely implanted emotion closely allied to our instinct for right, and it is to be used for constructive spiritual purposes. He goes on to say, the person who cannot feel anger, anger at evil is a person who lacks enthusiasm for good. If you cannot hate wrong, it's very questionable whether you really love righteousness. And that's something for us to think on. God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He doesn't want us to be complacent. He doesn't want us to be indifferent. He wants us to live passionately for him, to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And when we love God passionately, anything that dishonors him or comes against his word and his will should evoke strong passion or anger from us. Righteous anger is ang being angry for the right reason, expressed in the right way, with positive and constructive actions to right whatever's wrong so that God can be honored. So getting angry for the right reason, in, expressed in the right way, to make right whatever's wrong so that God can be honored. So we have the capacity to be angry because God created us in his image, but human anger is often ungodly. Human anger is often ungodly. Look again at James 1.20 where it says, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. You see, God's anger is holy and it's righteous and it's perfect. It is his right response to sin and evil. But human anger is generally sinful, 
selfishly motivated, and wrongly expressed. We generally, generally experience anger, not when God is dishonored, but when we are frustrated, hurt, or afraid. We get angry when we don't get what we want. It's quiet in here, but that's okay. When things don't go our way, we often get angry at others, and even more importantly, we sometimes get angry at God because he didn't do what we expected him to do. Like the children of Israel when they faced hardship in the wilderness and they got angry at Moses and they blamed God, you have brought us out here in this wilderness to die. Why? Because it wasn't smooth sailing to the promised land. There were some enemies that they were going to have to fight. There were some hardships they were going to have to go through. And so things didn't turn out the way they expected. So they got angry at God. When Job's life became overwhelmed by hardship, his wife got angry. And she said, just curse God and die. Things didn't turn out the way she expected. God didn't do what she expected him to do. When God blesses someone, we think he should, when God blesses someone, we think he should curse. We get angry, like Jonah. Jonah never wanted to go to Nineveh. The Assyrians were the chief enemies of the Israelites at that time, and they were notorious for torturing their captives. It is described that for some of their captives, they opened them up with a knife, to expose their innards, and then they pinned them down in the middle of the desert so that they would bake from the inside. That's some of the torture that the Assyrians committed. And that's why the Jewish people hated them. And when God calls Jonah and says, you know, I want you to go and preach to, to, to the Assyrians, to the Ninevites, because they need to repent or else I'm going to judge them. Jonah goes the opposite direction because he's like, you want them to repent and have mercy on them? No way, Jose. They're our enemies. They've done terrible things. But, you know, we know the story. You can't, you can't, you know, resist God. You can't outrun God. And, and the whole story, he gets on a ship heading the other direction. Terrible storm comes along. And, and then finally he has to reveal the storm is because of me. He throw me overboard. And they throw him overboard. And the storm uh, goes away. And, and, and then God arranges for a big fish to come along and swallow uh, Jonah. It was an all-expense cruise right to the shores of Nineveh. You know, and, and, and for that three-day cruise, you know, uh, Jonah is wrestling with God in the belly of the whale. And finally, Jonah repents and says, okay, God, I'm sorry. I'll do what you want me to do. But he, he was kind of, you know, doing it reluctantly. You know, I'm doing it because you're telling me to do it. But I really don't want to preach to them because I don't want them to repent. So he goes and he preaches to the Ninevites. And guess what? The whole city, hundreds of thousands of people, including the king, repent. I mean, he had the greatest altar call any preacher ever had. And guess what? He gets angry at God. He said, I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to give them the opportunity to repent and that if they repented, you were going to have mercy on. And he's up, upset with God because God didn't just come down and burn them from the face of the earth. So God didn't act the way Jonah wanted him to act. And he got angry at God. And sometimes, I know we don't want to admit it, but we got a little bit of Jonah in us. God doesn't do what we want him to do. 
and we get upset. Jonah actually went and had a pity party. He started pouting. He went and sat down under uh, 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 and just, you know, started complaining and everything like that and pouting. And God came to him and he's like, why are you pouting? You know? So, so sometimes we get angry at God because he doesn't do what we wanted him to do. And when people experience the consequences of their wrong choices, sometimes they get angry at God as well. You know, we make a wrong decision. We end up having the consequences. And then what do we do? We turn around and get angry at God. Proverbs 19.3 says, people ruin their lives by their own foolishness. And then they're angry at the Lord. You know, and, and I've met some people over the years that they're angry at God. And you can, you can look at their, hear, what, hear their story, look at their life. And you can say, you're blaming God for that? You made a mess of things with your decisions and you're blaming God for that? But we can do that sometimes as well. Anger towards God is sometimes directed towards his servants. Like in the Old Testament, the children of Israel in the wilderness, they were angry at God, so they wanted to kill Moses because Moses was God's representative or, or servant. In Psalm 69.9, David writes, The insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. So he's saying those that insult God have turned their insults against him as God's servant and God's leader. So we can express anger in many ways, but it's because of selfishness when we get to the root of it. It's because we were disappointed. It's because somebody didn't do what we wanted them to do. It's because God didn't act the way we wanted him to act. And, and so we can, we can direct that anger at, at somebody that is standing in our way or didn't do what. We can di direct that anger against God. We can direct that anger against a person who serves God or represents God. But the bottom line is that anger flows from our own selfish frustration. And anger is a default human reaction of our sin-fallen state when we feel that our will and our desires are being frustrated or hindered by someone else or by God. We're not getting our way. Somebody's standing in our way, and we get angry. We also get angry when we're hurt. One minister shared about a woman whose husband left her without a word of warning after two years of marriage. And she went into a terrible depression. And so he asked her as her pastor, are you angry that your husband has done this to you? He was trying to get her to open up and speak about what she was going through. And she said, no, I'm not really angry, just hurt. Not angry, he asked. I think you've got a right to be angry with him. And maybe feel angry with God as well. After all, God told you to be faithful, and you were, but the other side of the bargain wasn't kept. Your husband wasn't faithful. I would think that you would be angry. No, just hurt, she said. The pastor said, I decided then and there that depression is often the result of anger turned inward. Anger turned inward. Anger inappropriately expressed or anger suppressed. See, instead of dealing with our anger, instead of speaking it out, instead of resolving it, we hold all of that anger inside. And that's where one of the root causes of depression can be. Sometimes as Christians, we don't want to admit that we're angry because we think it's sinful to be angry. 
So we say, I'm hurt. Well, hurt might be the underlying cause, but it results in anger. It produces anger. But we need to realize not all anger is sinful, and there are times where it is right to be angry. So we say, I'm not angry. I'm just hurt. But hurt is the root of much of our anger. We get hurt. We feel angry. And we all get hurt in life. And hurt is one of the main root causes of anger. And the longer the hurt goes unresolved, the longer the hurt goes unforgiven, the stronger the chains of anger grow in our heart and in our life. That's why Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. What he's saying is, you know what? You need to resolve it right away. You need to forgive right away or else a root of bitterness is gonna grow, you know, deep inside of you. So he's saying, you know, keep very short accounts with people. Resolve those issues quickly. Forgive quickly before those chains of anger wrap themselves around your life. A third reason we get angry, we get angry when we're afraid. When we feel startled or threatened, we tend to respond in anger. Years ago, I was walking with a friend at Hollywood Beach, and it was kind of getting dark. And um, uh, uh, our music pastor at that time and his wife were also at Hollywood Beach, and they spotted us. And he was a real joker, and so he decided to hide along one of the little side streets on the, uh, on the broadwalk and wait for us to pass by. And when we passed by, he jumped out and he grabbed me from behind and made a scary noise. And I immediately turned around and he almost ended up with a broken nose or a black eye. <laughs> but thankfully, I thought it was a mugger, you know, trying to grab me. And I almost punched him before I realized who it was. Thankfully, I had quick enough reflex to hold back. He barely escaped <laughs> being injured. You know, and, and thankfully, you know, we were all able to have a good, life, a good laugh at that for, for many years to come. But anger is a natural response when we feel afraid. And it's built into us to feel that. And sometimes it's for a good reason. At other times, it's for a selfish, sinful reason. Like King Saul, he felt threatened when David returned victorious from battle and the crowds were celebrating and they began to sing, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. And oh, he became fearful that he was losing his position as the king among the people. And of course, he was losing that because of his disobedience to God, if you remember. And God told him, the throne is going to be taken away from you. But he's angry now with David. And he becomes enraged with jealousy. And David ends up having to run for his life as Saul and his armies pursue him to kill him. So sometimes we can be angry out of fear, but the fear is a selfish fear. Sometimes it's a justified fear. Sometimes it's a selfish fear. Anger, we need to understand, is a secondary emotion that is triggered when our will and desires are frustrated, when we feel hurt by others, or when we feel afraid or threatened. So hear that. Anger is a secondary emotion. It is our emotional response to something that we're feeling. Frustration because we didn't get our way, hurt because someone disappointed us or did us wrong, or fear because we feel threatened. So anger then should be a red flag warning 
that alerts us to a deeper issue in our heart that needs to be dealt with. We need to ask, why am I angry? What is the reason behind my anger? Jonah got angry because God forgave the Ninevites. And God questioned him and asked him, do you have the right to be angry? God asked him that question twice. Do you have the right to be angry? And you know what? God teaches us we need to question our own anger. Do we have the right to be angry? Is there a righteous cause? Is there a righteous reason behind our anger? Or are we more concerned when someone hurts us than when someone dishonors God? Because that's a red flag there of the self-centered nature of our anger. Do we explode when we're angry with hurtful words and actions? Do we nurture our anger, seething with bitterness and allowing it to grow inside of us? Do we hold our anger inside and become anxious and depressed? Because all of those are wrong ways sinful ways of dealing with our anger. So we need to question, why am I angry? Do I have a right to be anger? angry? Is this righteous anger? And we need to question, am I dealing with my anger rightly? See, that's the difference between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. The reason behind our anger, is it selfish or is it godly? And the way that we deal with our anger is it appropriate? Is it resolving the issue in a God-honoring way? So we need to question our anger. A third thing we need to see is anger must be dealt with in a God-honoring way, which we just mentioned. How we express our anger tends to be a conditioned response. We learned it over time. Sometimes we say, oh, well, that's just my personality, or this is my nationality, or it's just the way that I feel. For instance, I've heard it say, said that, you know, Latins are hot-blooded, meaning that they are quick to get angry and explode. And no doubt, many are. But my mother was Cuban, Latin, and she was one of the most mild-mannered persons you could find. So we can't blame our heritage, all right? Our angry responses are often learned from our upbringing. But the good news is, that God can change us as we surrender this area of our life to him and ask him to help us. He will teach us to deal with our anger in a God-honoring way. If our angry responses are learned, we can unlearn them and with God's help learn the right way to deal with our anger. Amen? How we express our anger is a chosen response. It's often been said, no one can make you angry. You choose to get angry. Now, people who have a lot of anger issues, they generally blame everybody else. If you would just do what's right, if you would just straighten up and act right, if you would just do what I want, then I wouldn't have to get angry. No, no one else can make you angry. You choose how you respond to what other people do and what your circumstances are. You choose to get angry. I'll prove it to you. You can be angry with your spouse or kids on the way to church and you're yelling and you're upset and you're fuming and you're telling them, 
But the moment you step out of your car on the church parking lot, a miracle takes place. And you put a smile on your face and you look so happy to your church friends and you're like, hi, how are you doing? Oh, God bless you. I'm wonderful. I'm highly favored of God. You just chose to change your anger to a different response. So you have control. Am I right? Hallelujah. That's where you can say amen or oh me. So you can choose to turn off your anger when you want to. You have control over how you respond. Proverbs 16.32 tells us that a person who has self-control is better than a person who accomplishes great things. Amen. I don't care what great accomplishments you have. If your anger is out of control, first of all, it's going to ruin your reputation. It's going to ruin your relationships. And it certainly will ruin your relationship with God. Galatians 5 lists anger as a work of the flesh. And he's talking about Christians that are trying to please God in their own strength. And he lists anger as a work of the flesh. And he lists self-control as a fruit of the spirit. So you're either going to be controlled by your flesh or you're going to be controlled by the spirit and the choice is yours. I had a very bad temper when I was young. Because growing up, my father had a bad temper. So it was a learned response, not to mention the fact that I had two hot-blooded nationalities running through my vein, Latin and Arabic. And Arabic people tend to have a very strong temperament. But I cannot say as an excuse, oh, it's just my nationality. No. And I learned the response of getting frustrated over the slightest thing, of verbalizing my anger. I learned that from my father. Thank God, later in his life, he got saved, and God began to change him. But as I was growing up, he had a very bad temper, got frustrated over the slightest thing, and did not hold his tongue. He verbalized it in many ways. Sometimes he would, even if we were acting up as kids, and I remember we had a brand new game. It was called Battleship. Anybody ever played Battleship? We had just gotten it. And you know, our family was not wealthy when we were kids. We, we, were, we were quite strained with finances. And so it was a big deal when we got a game or something. And so we had gotten Battleship. And we were on the floor playing Battleship in our den. I think it was my sister and I. And we got in one of those sibling quabbles, you know, over the game. And my dad told us to be quiet, and we kept on quabbling. My dad told us to be quiet again. And he got up, and he had size 12 feet. Walked over to where we were, and stepped right on our battleship game and shattered it. So that's the kind of temper that my father had. Again, I thank God that later in life, he got saved and God began to change him. But I learned those kinds of responses uh, from my father. And in my early 20s, starting out in ministry, I attended a minister's workshop. I still remember the pastor's name, Gian Como from New Jersey. And um, he was teaching about anger and he shared his own testimony with struggling with anger. And he said this, he said, he who loses his temper loses his ministry. And he began to describe his struggle with temper and with anger and what have you. And the more he spoke, the more convicted I got. And I began to feel, you know, has somebody ever been preaching and you feel like they're preaching right at you? 
And I just kind of began to sink down more and more in my chair, like, you know, hopefully he won't see me here, you know. And, and I really was experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And so after that, I began to pray specifically to surrender my temper to the Lord and ask God to change me in that area. And I, I'll be the first to say I'm not 100% what I ought to be, but folks, I'm a long way from what I used to be. Amen. God can and will change you if you will surrender yourself to him. Then daily when we're faced with the triggers of frustration, because there's certain things that just push your button. And what might push your button may not push my button. But there are certain things that trigger us. Amen? Can you all agree on that? There's certain things that trigger us. And so when, when those triggers come, whether it's frustration or hurt or fear, we need to choose to obey God's word. He says, everyone should be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So what's God telling us? In that moment when the trigger comes, slow things down. Don't just react because then you're likely going to react in a way that's not honoring to God. Amen? So he's telling us, slow down what's happening. Stop and listen, if it involves another person, listen carefully to what they're saying. Don't jump to conclusions, because sometimes, you know, the Bible says he is a fool who responds to a matter before he has heard it out fully. Because sometimes somebody is saying something and we're making an assumption of what they're saying and we jump in angrily, and, and what we assume they were saying is not what they were saying at all. And if we had just slowed things down, listened to them, and maybe even asked for clarification, we could have avoided a misunderstanding and getting angry. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Amen? So slow down what's, what's happening. Be quick to listen. Stop and really hear what's going on, what's being said. Hear a matter out fully before jumping to conclusions or interrupting and reacting. And before you type that angry text in response or make that angry post online, Write it out, read it over, walk away, pray, and then come back and delete it. Amen? Because I'll tell you, a text or a post written in anger is not going to accomplish the righteousness of God. Amen? It's not going to fulfill the will of God. In fact, it's probably going to cause some damage to your relationship and to your testimony. So when you feel angry, slow things down. Pray about whatever is happening. Ask yourself, why am I angry? Do I have a right to be angry? Is there a right reason, a righteous cause? And am I dealing with that anger in a right way? Because as James said, our human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I read the story of a little boy who was trying to sell a worn-out lawnmower. And a preacher walked up, and the boy tried to persuade the preacher to buy the old lawnmower. The preacher pulled on the rope several times. You know those gas mowers that have the pull rope? And so he pulled on the rope several times to make sure the mower would start. Nothing happened, not even a spit or a sputter. The boy told the preacher, 
Oh, preacher, if you want to get it to start, you got to kick the mower while saying a few cuss words before the motor will start because that's what dad always did. The preacher said, son, I can't do that. It's been many years since I've cussed. The little boy said, just keep pulling the rope and it'll come back to you real soon. <laughs> Folks, there are many opportunities <laughs> to get angry each day. And when one of those triggers happen, our anger can come back to us real quick. Amen? Because sometimes something happened in my, I can feel the temperature rising. Amen? And I got to slow things down and I got to say, God, help me. God, give me grace. Holy Spirit, take the wheel. Take control right now in the name of Jesus. You know, because if not, I'm probably going to react in the flesh in a way that's not honoring to God. So we, we've got that anger can come back real quick and we need to guard our heart. We need to surrender daily to the control of the Holy Spirit. We need to ask God to control our thoughts, our attitudes, and our action. And we need to say, God, help me. If we have an issue with anger, we need to surrender it to God every single day and say, God, help me and change me in this area. So if that's your heart's desire, that you would walk in the self-control of the Holy Spirit and that you would be able to, to deal rightly with anger, would you bow your heads and just speak to the Lord for a few moments as I pray over us? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the wisdom of your word because your word trains us in righteousness. It teaches us how to live rightly. And we thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit because we can't live rightly in our own strength. We need your supernatural help. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit is readily available to us to change us and enable us to live the way you're calling us to live. Father, we come before you right now and many of us have to admit that anger is a problem for us, Lord God. And Lord, we bring it before the altar and we surrender it to you. We ask you to change us, Lord God. We ask your Holy Spirit to come and take control of us every single day, Lord, that we would live a life submitted to the control of the Holy Spirit. And we ask you that through your word, you would teach us the right reasons to be angry and the right way to deal with our anger so that it will bring glory and honor to your name. Have your way in us, Lord, and do not leave us the way that you find us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you. And we hope you will join us again.